Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Kinky Conversations podcast, where consent is king, pleasure is queen, and exploration of sexual expression is the name of the game. And now for your host, the delicious Zachary Phillips. Today we're joined by Lynn, a 32-year-old from the United States who works in the legal field. Her hobbies include swimming, yoga, and amusement parks. Lynn is a play space monitor for Edge House, a kink and edge play and educational-based fetish group. Today she talks about her experiences with group sex, risk-aware play, the importance of prepping and vetting, as well as polyamory and open relationships. She shares some great advice for first-timers and those wanting to go deeper into the scene. We also discuss the connection between mental health and sexual expression, including the use of BDSM as a way to channel extreme, self-destructive and risk-taking behaviours into something far more positive. Just a little bit of a trigger warning with this one because we briefly discuss self-harm. This podcast ends with an amazing takeaway that applies to both sexuality, mental health and life in general. That is, you are not alone. It's easy to assume that your desires, your thoughts, your wants, your needs are unique to you. It's easy to let society shame you into being less than what you are. But this podcast is part of the pushback against that. And the discussion with Lynn is both educational, entertaining, and enlightening. I learned a lot, and I know you will too. Let's jump in. The, the one that I found most interesting was, have you ever fulfilled a true fantasy, and was it what you expected? Because... I feel like we have these ideas in our mind of like, you know, we'll watch media or see pictures online or have this idea in our head and it builds up. And then in reality, it's great, but not exactly as it sort of is projected. You know, you watch, you watch movie sex, for example, and it's, um, you know, there's, there's no, there's no goop, for example, there's no awkwardness. There's, there's like less talking, you know, it's a different experience, for example. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest thing is like group sex or threesomes. People have this overly vivid like oh threesome's gonna be so great kind of you know fantasy but when you actually do it you're like where am I supposed to be which position and like honestly sex is not designed for three people so the third person has to like try to figure out what their I guess role is I I can totally relate to that experience. I was describing describing it to someone. It's like after you get through the awkwardness, it's quite hot for moments and then it's awkward again. It's like there's this sort of like up and down sort of like moments of this is really hot and then it gets very awkward again until you sort of figure out what you're doing, if that makes sense. Yes. So I had a double dom threesome type of situation where I had a female dom and a male dom and I was in the bottom uh, submissive role. Oh, okay. Yep. It sounds really hot, but there were moments of really awkwardness because when I'm doing things with him, she's like, what am I trying to do? At one point I was giving him like a blow job and she was trying to flog me with a metal flogger and it was like, <laughs> Did they organize themselves together? Did one person out of the two of those doms take charge or were they sort of vying for control 
leading to the awkwardness? Um, they weren't vying for control. What they did really well was the fact that they had their own private group chat where they talked about what they wanted to do and what the other was willing to do or not willing to do. And I think because they were both experienced in the kink lifestyle themselves, they knew what to do. It's just when all three of us got together, it was our first time, all three of us. So there were a little bit of kinks. There were really hot moments where I was or she was sitting on my face he was fucking me and then they were kissing and doing stuff on top of me and that was really hot and then he came and he couldn't continue but me and her (laughs) would continue and i've I've got a few questions that i would like to like to drill down upon um was this your your first experience in a threesome Definitely not. I love group sex and I love threesomes. So it wasn't my first threesome and it wasn't my first threesome with her either because we were a girlfriend and girlfriend and she was the dom in our relationship and we've had other male submissives join us. Um, but it was definitely the first double dom session with her. Mm. So how, how do you organize it what's the what's the process of like I'm, I'm curious about a variety of different things down this this uh down the lifestyle and all of this sort of stuff but i'm i'm quite curious to sort of extrapolate the the practicalities if that makes sense how do you set it up how do you arrange the meeting how do you um start the session so i am currently a co-leader of a uh, kink group in my local area So the two people that I was doing the threesome with are also members of our group. So me and her obviously were girlfriend, girlfriend, and him and I were separately um, friends with benefits. And I've mentioned to both of them separately that I'm very interested in a double dom session. I've never had a double dom session and I love threesomes and I thought it would be cool. And luckily for me, both of them were like cool and down with it. So I kind of arranged it. I was like, hey, I know a dom who's a male. Hey, I know a dom who's a female. And I invited them both to the munch so that they can get to know each other and get comfortable so that we can ultimately plan something. So you you got them comfortable knowing each other beforehand and then your range of time to catch up? Yes. So vetting is really important. At least for me, it's important. So I vetted both of them individually, but I also needed them to be comfortable with each other because threesome could be very fun or very awkward. And I didn't want the awkwardness. Can you go into some of the awkwardness that you've you've experienced or that you wanted to avoid? Um, I felt like a third wheel once. So the two came over and, you know, it started out with it being a threesome, but then all of a sudden it became a twosome and I'm just some voyeur just watching them have sex. And they're like, come on, join, join. But I wasn't really sure how to join because they were so into each other. Yeah. I see what you're saying by the the dynamics. It's, we're not, it's easy to lose focus on the third wheel. And I've, I've spoken to a few people about the concept of threesomes and they 
highlight this problem that they they would either feel like they're too selfish and they want to be all the attention on them or they would worry about exactly this excluding someone or being excluded so so do you do you find that sort of prior to a session you will I suppose maybe in the vetting process, have a discussion about it and be like, "Hey, this is what we're expecting. This is what we want to do. This is as as a as a three or as you know, three pairs." I suppose. Uh, I think so. I am a control freak, so I like to have a basic outline of what I think the night is gonna kind of look like. I mean, not everything is going to be planned out and we're not going to follow some script like porn but I would generally like go over boundaries and I always make sure to tell both of the partners that I'm going to be with that I don't really like feeling like a third wheel I don't want to be left out and so if we can somehow arrange it so that we have like equal amount of time with each other. That would be great. I mean, it doesn't always work out, but I I make sure that that is really clear with my partners that I don't like being felt left out. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair, fair enough. In, in terms, you said you wanted to, to arrange the night, so to speak, or arrange the, the session. Are you, how, once again, it's the practicality things because it's a curiosity for someone that that maybe hasn't done it. You all come to someone's house or a, some some location, but you've basically agreed to like in a sense prearranged like on this time at this day we're going to do it. Uh, how we did it was um, he actually did the arranging. He got a hotel room. Um, obviously, we all picked a day that we were free. He arranged the hotel room and then we all just met up there. Did that answer your question? It, it did, but like you, you, you've agreed to sort of have sex on this time at this day. Do, do you find or have you found that there's an issue of arousal or is just the, the, the lead up to it itself arousing enough to sort of when you get there and you start, it's, it's easier able to start. I suppose what I'm trying to drill down upon is, is, you're basically uh, like agreeing to like at this time, at this date, the three of us are going to be into this. And you might, I'm just wondering if there's, there's sort of a, could be potentially a disconnect between the arranging, you you guys arranging it. And then when it comes down to actually sort of doing it. Uh, yeah. So definitely not going to like start off right off the start when you get to the hotel room or the house or anything like that. Um, I think, um, I practice risk aware kink. So I do drink alcohol when I do certain kink related stuff. So when we got to the hotel room, I think it's easiest if you just hang out for a little bit at first, because I don't know about anybody else, but I'm not going to be straight off the walk in the door, like horny, wet, ready to go. I'm not that type of person. So um, what we do is we fixed drinks, we had snacks, and we turned on, I don't know why horror films does it for me, but we <laughs> <Nuts>. <laughs> turned on 
<laughs> any 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 particular horror film or just the genre in general? Um, it has <laughs> it has to be something that I've already watched, so I'm not too into it. <laughs> What what's your what would be your go to like next next session like this is your ideal setup horror film pre um pre play uh, <laughs> watching experience what oh, are we going I for love Scream there's so many different series of Scream and Scream is nice because they have the right amount of sexy you know that hot people in it it's like that ultimate nineties kind of film with like the wet t-shirt big boob women and so you're just like watching the sexy it's definitely an aesthetic yes Mm. so i will turn on have you seen the new scream any Any scream is the new scream any good i i didn't really like it i haven't i haven't seen it i've saw the seen the first few and i can definitely agree with you on the um on the look and the appeal of those ones but yeah i never never got around to seeing the last one or the new the remake right yeah, the fifth one, I don't know. They're coming out with the sixth one. We'll see. I guess if you have absolutely nothing to do, you can watch it. <laughs> okay, so early scream is the um is the uh go-to. I love it. <laughs> so so you arrive, you fix some drinks, you chuck on some um early scream. Yeah. Slowly get into it. Yes. I, you know, when they're talking, everyone's talking. I'll like excuse myself and go to the bathroom and like change into something sexy like a lingerie and you know come out and me and him will talk and the female dom will go and change into something sexy come back out and you know we'll just watch a movie but like kind of nuzzle up to the guy or I'll nuzzle up to the girl um, definitely me being the bottom between two tops, like I was that middleman person who had to kind of like initiate or ignite their engines. <laughs> oh, really? That's, that's not the way that I would have expected that to go. So, so you, even though you were, you were playing the bottom, it was sort of on you to, to get them going. Yeah. In a, in a sense. Um, I, I think you just need a really good middle person, especially for a threesome situation. And because they've never played together before, but I have played with both of them, it was for me to kind of take that role on because I know how to get him going and I know what to do to get her going. And, you know, once everyone is nice and on lit, like nice and ignited, then they can do stuff, no problem. You can sort of step step back and let them take over right. in that sense. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. So you 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 said you sort of plan out plan out the night. You you do you share that plan with them, or is this more like what you sort of are going to sort of try and push through? Um, I definitely share it with them. It's not like an outline or it's like uh it's not like, oh, I have to have this, but it's more like I'll say, you know, there's this position I've always wanted to do. Mm. I've had fantasies of doing this or something like that. So it wouldn't be, I wouldn't say, oh, I want to do this first, this next, this second. I'll just kind of tell them, hey, like, I really wanted to do this. 
I've always wanted to try this position. I have a fantasy of this. Can this happen sometime during the night? Do you find that they were accommodating or that people are generally accommodating in, obviously, if it's within everyone's limits, did you did you fulfill some of those fantasies? Yes, I did. I had the most fun. <laughs> awesome. Life. Um, it was a really long session. How long are we talking there? Uh, with all three of us, it was good five, six hours. Um, she had left and I actually stayed the night with him at the hotel. So for him and I, it was just all night long thing. Nice. So you, you fulfilled some fantasies. Was, what was the difference between the, the reality fulfilling the fantasy versus what you thought it might be beforehand? There is a lot of just dead time lot of waiting time you know in porn it's like one scene after the next and it's fluid like there's no waiting time but in real life you know once the guy comes he he needs some time to recuperate <laughs> yep. even, even if you're a female at us i guess some females need time after a really big orgasm so there were like times where they came I came, I kind of keep want to keep going as a bottom, but the two tops are like, <laughs> I need a breather. <laughs> yep. 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 Okay. So the, the, the practicalities of the, uh, the human machine is, um, a bit of a letdown in some aspects. Right. So I thought I, I am known kind of like an energizer bunny. Um, that's why my uh, Insta name is Lenny Bunny. I just keep going and going. <laughs> I've, met a few, I've met a few people like that. It's um, th- there is no end to the amount that they will want or experience, and it's like you, no matter how much or how long, it it feels like you're still letting them down somewhat. It just can't quite get to that thing where they're just yes satisfied. Yeah, so I feel really bad for my partners most of the time, and. <laughs> I'm I'm a female who can orgasm through penetration and clitoral stimulation, which is really rare. So for Lucky me, you. <laughs> apparently, so I never knew that. Like, I guess eighty some percent of women can't come or orgasm from penetration. So I didn't know how lucky I was, but um, because of that, the more I orgasm, the more I want to do more. Yeah, it, keep, it keeps ramping, ramping up. The more you do, the more you do, the more you want to do, right? Right. And so I really feel bad for my partners sometimes because they're just like dead tired. They're done. And I just, I'm like, please, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> have you, have you attempted or do you know your record for the amount of times you've come? Um... I don't know my record, but um, during the threesome session, I was literally able to orgasm every four seconds or so. (laughs) Boom. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So I I can't count sometimes because if you four seconds, it's just like too many times to count. (laughs) Maybe you should get like a little, you know, those little clicker counters. 
just 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 make it make an effort one session just to get the clicker counter and every time just click 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 <laughs> i might have to try that because i'm curious but it's really also hard and it also depends sometimes i like to dabble in a little bit of herb and when i am in that headspace they don't even have to do anything and i would just orgasm like my partner literally had his hand on the small of my back and I was convulsing orgasming and I had to tell him like, don't touch me. Stop touching me. <laughs> once you get, once you get up to that level, it's just very, very easy to yeah, uh, continue. Like, I suppose. Yeah. Um, at that height of arousal, I can just orgasm probably on command. I've I've spoken to a few people who've trained themselves to orgasm through through like a voice command through words through words spoken. So they would obviously get to the level, and then it would be through I suppose operant conditioning, pairing the orgasm with a certain uh, code word or certain spoken word, and then yeah, like it resulting in literal spoken word orgasms. Yes, I've tried that. <laughs> any any success? No, because part of it you need to be able to edge and I have no orgasm control whatsoever. Just explain for those that aren't familiar with the term edging, what edging is. Edging and uh, orgasm control kind of goes hand in hand. So edging is bringing someone to the brink of orgasm and then stopping all stimulation so that they do not orgasm. And that's part of orgasm control where a person would control when and how a person would orgasm. And this would be typically done like a a dom to a sub or would it be done to yourself or is it a combination of different play? If you're into it, I guess you can do it self. If your dom and sub dynamic is into that, you can do that. Um, Currently, I have my master... Um, I'm into pet play, so I don't go by Dom or um, it's not a master slave role. It's master kitten role. So my sir and I, we don't do any type of orgasm control because I really can't control my orgasms. (laughs) And so I'm not, and I'm not a fan of edging. Um, If you're a man, you know what blue balls feels like. I don't know if that's an American thing or if that's international. I feel like it's international. I mean, with the internet proliferation, it seems like a fairly common common okay. statement. So uh, if you're a man, you know what blue balls feels like. So if you're not into that, you're not going to be into edging because if you edge a couple times, it's going to hurt before you orgasm mm. have that big release. I suppose it's about working out what you are into and addressing that with your current partner or partners, I suppose. So I want to go down, um, I suppose, if we bring it right back to sort of getting into the scene, were you always into the BDSM kink scene or was it a lead-in? Was there someone that sort of introduced you? How did you How did you move into this space? Um, so I have borderline personality disorder, commonly known as BPD. And part of um, the symptom with BPD is risky behaviors. 
or risk-taking behaviors. And so, and um, I don't know if you have to put a trigger warning, but self-harm and risky behaviors, those are part of BPD. And one day um, I was just hanging out with a friend who was in the scene who saw some of my scars and um, they asked, hey, you know, if you want to do some of these things, why don't you do it in this type of scene, uh, like in a DS or BDSM kink scene so that you can release that risk behavior or risky behavior in a somewhat safe environment because, um, you know, I, I am very much into all the heavy plays. I do knife play. I do fire, electricity, needles, um, like CNC, a lot of the really dark stuff, but it's in an environment where there is risk aware and I'm not going to harm myself or hurt myself more than needed to release that uh, brain chemicals of dopamine, serotonin, you know, things that makes me feel good. So I entered the scene to kind of like be more therapeutic with my BPD so that I wouldn't do something drastic to myself. And having a dom there who will stop me when they feel like I'm going too far really was nice in the beginning when my BPD wasn't in control. That's that's quite lovely, actually. I, I appreciate the um, the I suppose the the recognition and the self awareness to channel the um, self destructive behaviors into something that's positive. I suppose, for lack of a better expression, um, and managed. I talk a lot in other places about mental health and mental illness, and I've I've have issues down a similar path to what you're describing. Um, and I found that yeah, finding a positive outlook or a positive way to express is, you know, it, it's it's hard to sort of deny your core sexuality or your core self or your core behaviours, but you might be able to find a way to embrace and express them in a way that is, you know, if not. You know, like like it's just ultimately positive if you found a environment and people around you that can can help. So I, I actually find that quite quite um, comforting, I suppose. For me, it's mitigating a risk. I'm still taking that risk, and I'm still fulfilling or having that desire or need fulfilled, but not going so far as to doing real harm or real damage. Yeah, no, I, I can see where you're coming from. I did want to um, ask about a couple of things. I've I'm not familiar with electricity play. Can you oh. can you tell me what what that involves or how it's done? Um, there are a couple different methods. There are the violet wands. Um, those are kind of like an electricity play. Uh, there are the tens unit that sends um, electricity through your nerves. And uh, there's also those uh, to zappers. If you watch any of like the BDSM porn, it's like the red triangle thing that goes zap, zap, zap. <laughs> I think I think um 
I think plumbers or like electricians can use that as like a, a power a lighter. That I've seen people use those ones. Do you know? Are you familiar yeah. with those things? Uh, they use that or like stun guns or tasers. Stun guns, okay. Or yep. pods, things like that. So, so that's that would be an aspect or the the feature of the play. How is it? How is it used? Um, would I suppose what I'm saying is is if you're 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 doing a session where you're going to be playing with electricity, will it be a sort of a, a lead up thing? Will it be during how how are we how are we actually sort of playing with the electricity in a session? Mm, it can be just mixtures of things because uh, the violet wands they have different attachments. They actually have an electric flogger that you hook up to a violet wand. And, um, you can just like flog someone and you can feel the electricity down in the body. That's pretty awesome. How much of a pain response do they give? Um, it depends on how much voltage you use. Uh, we, I say we, so, uh, we have a local play party and we saw on TikTok people doing um, human operation. I don't know if you're familiar with the board game. Like the one where you, you've got the little device and you try and pick up the thing and then it zaps you if you... Yes. Or it's like it, it vibrates. It doesn't zap you, does it? Like the actual operation game? It, it just sort of vibrates well, and tells the you... human operation is that. <laughs> so we got... Well, we went on Etsy and we um, ordered a bunch of like those acrylic parts like the bone and whatever to put on the person's body. And then the electric wand, there is a, um, a piece that you hold onto, or you could tuck it into your panties, which then will conduct energy or electricity through your body. So, um, we just put the pieces on the person's body. We make them have a honker and then we'll try to go and pick up those pieces. If the little, uh, tweezers touch you the touch will connect the electricity and your body will just like electrify that's awesome <laughs> so so you're did you say you were like the the host or like an admin of this sort of group um i co-lead with my three other leadership our group is called edge house um edge we house. are yes so our group is called edge house we, um, I'm not a founding member. So the founding members, um, Penny Darkram and Mike Darkram, um, they're really popular on TikTok. If you want to look them up, you can. Um, they created Edge House as a kink edge play based fetish group. And then they needed help. So me and my other co-leader, Bethany, um, we joined and we host munches and Mike is actually currently making a dungeon play space for us. Um, we started out as a ed edge play based kink group, but we're moving more towards educational group. So we host a lot of education and things like that. Um, my co-leader Penny, she's actually, um, she's doing a class on vetting and she does classes on 
BDSM real reality versus fantasy. And she's actually going to be teaching those classes in Hong Kong in Hungary in November. Oh, it's like taking it worldwide. Yeah. So there are international educators. So our group is located to where we are in the in the United States, but they do go and um, teach internationally. And I um, recently taught BDSM and law, and I did a podcast about BDSM and legalities because I work in the legal field. And um, we just do a lot of educationals. We we volunteer in our local community. We all belong to our local leather group. We're like really in the lifestyle. That's that's awesome. I, I do have a couple of follow ups down the the education. I suppose the legality and that sort of stuff. Um, I'm sort of in multiple different spaces. So if people come to this podcast from a more vanilla space, you know, people could be listening to this that have not done much of anything beyond you know very basic vanilla play and some people will be coming to it from like at your level right so i want to sort of try and um provide a you know bit of education entertainment um you know informative sort of stuff i guess what i would suggest is is there something that new people to the scene should be aware of or that they should expect or that you would sort of if someone's curious and they're like hey i haven't really done much of this but i'm sort of interested what would you tell that new entrance? Um, my first recommendation for anyone entering a scene is never play at your first play party or dungeon party or any parties in general. You kind of want to be a wallflower and just watch because um, if you've never done something, you're going to need to know what it is that you're getting into. And um, if you're new, you're not going to really know your boundaries. Um, My sir actually has never heard of the kink lifestyle until last year when he met me. And I've sort of been bringing him into this lifestyle. And his first three or four um, play parties he didn't do anything. He just watched. And when we were trying to negotiate, I was asking him about boundaries. I was asking about hard limits, soft limits, you know, absolutely not, never will I ever do this kind of limit. And he didn't know. Like, so you need to know your boundaries. You need to know your limits before you can go and negotiate and get into the play. And sometimes you won't know until you do the play. So it is important to watch and see what it is that you're getting into. Vet, vet the people that you are playing with, vet vet the space that you are in, the dungeons you're in, some dungeons, some play parties, they're really great. Others, not so much. So you need to like really vet the space, the people, and a great way to do that is to go to munches. And I don't know if you have that. What, every- what was that term? Sorry? Munch? Yeah, munch. Uh, M-U-N-C-H. I don't, I don't- I'm not familiar with that term, but maybe, maybe there's a, like a parallel. Uh, what's, what is a munch? It's a, it's a meeting in a vanilla setting to get to know 
other people in the kink community or the group. That makes sense. So why, why is it called why is it called a munch? Like a uh, meet, meeting lunch? <laughs> uh, so there was a burger place called Bunch Munch in California, and I. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could time, I could see the connection. <laughs> well, at the time, um, it it actually started out where it was not legal for LGBTQ community to gather in California, so they would have this uh, secretive meeting at this burger place that had the word munch in it, and they would call it munch meeting. So they just pretend to go eat burgers, but they're actually having these LGBTQ meetings. And so it just kind of stuck. And now it's used all over. Um, Not everybody knows this history. I don't know how I got into this, but I was talking to someone and we researched it and that's how I know it. (laughs) I like, I like the idea of it. It's, it sounds like a good, um, Yeah, it's a bit, bit of a code. A vanilla setting, so you are not in a situation where you're uncomfortable and you get to know the people. We host our munch first Monday of every month and we gather at our local bar and we drink and we talk. And if you're new, it's a good way to meet the people and get to know them. And it's a good place to vet people and just see what you're getting into and who you're getting into with. Because when you think about it, if you go to a play space or dungeon space or any, any type of parties like that, and if you've never been to those parties, there's a lot of vulnerability for the people who are attending. A lot of the times you are in a risque clothing or not in any clothing and you basically are trusting these people around you not to violate your consent and basically be comfortable to be in your bare nude in front of them. So having these kind of vanilla meetings to get to know the people that you're going to be naked around is I think a good start. I think I think the yeah I can definitely see the positivity and the need to have a vanilla catch up and then also like you said a bit earlier to come and watch because I think um you know if you don't know what you what you enjoy what you're into and what your limits are there will be a general overstepping or a potential to overstep if you jump straight in I I, I can relate to that experience I went to a um, BDSM kink nightclub and my first time and I, I did a did did sort of a scene and it sort of progressed to a state that I wasn't comfortable with and I didn't feel like I had the right sort of voice or I didn't really know the etiquette. I'm not sure, but I just felt like it went beyond what I was comfortable with. And looking back with experience with my current mental state, I would have either said no or stopped it or talked it through. I don't know. Like I just it just sort of got out of hand due to I suppose my lack of knowledge um, or my lack of understanding of what was going to happen or what I expected to happen or what I wanted to happen. So I can definitely see a need to, to um, yeah, to, to sort of work it out before you, before you jump in. Yeah. Um, and not every space has a dungeon monitor or a play space monitor. Um, 
I am an experienced place-based monitor. I usually like to volunteer as place-based monitor to make sure that everybody's comfortable. Um, people can come up to me and address issues, things like that. But, you, you know, that's why you need to vet once again, because not every space is going to have a place-based monitor. Um, like for our group, we have house rules like red, red, red is stop all play immediately. That's our house safe word. If it's called a one of the leadership, one of the dungeon monitors or place based monitor will immediately step in and stop all play. Um, and not every group and not every play space has things like that. So um, not jumping into play right away is a good rule um, for new beginners because then they can see what kind of rule the play space has, what kind of people are there, just generally like you're able to be risk aware. That's such a good good thing that you've got like a, a monitoring system and that sort of stuff. I, I've got two sort of questions that I want to go into. The first one is just in the, in the, um, in the play space that you're helping to, to run. What, what sort of physical location are we talking about? Like where 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 is it located or what's the room like, if that makes sense? What's um what what are the features in the room? What's the physical space sort of look like? So it really depends on what the event is. Um I've play space monitored for a big kink fest kind of deal here in the States. Um, it was called Winter Fire. It's hosted by Dark Odyssey. They basically do a hotel takeover. So they'll get a hotel, get a convention center, um, try to block off a lot of the windows and things like that. And then they'll set up a play space. It'll have like St. Andrew's Cross, rope rigging centers, some type of cage. Um, and then they had like, like a sexorama place where it was just free with beds, beanbag chairs everywhere, sex swings. And then um, they had spaces for like wax play, blood play, things like that. Um, there are spaces like that. Um, our local dungeon, it's usually hosted by um, someone's residence who has a private dungeon um, and that room can look anywhere from just a bedroom with a spanking bench to a basement full of BDSM equipment. So it sort of depends on where you are and the, the size of the operation, I suppose. Yes. How, how do you, um, I mean, it sounds like there's there's multiple levels of of safety that you need to ensure. So, obviously, making sure that people are consenting, making sure that people um, understand what's going on. What about um, sort of like uh, STD, STD, STI, sort of um, cleanliness? I suppose, as in more broader sense. Uh, so, what you do with who you do it with, I can't control. Things that are controlled are we always have sanitation wipes, sanitary wipes like um, Clorox or Lysol or some kind of antibacterial, antiviral wipes, hospital grade or, you know, that kind of wipes 
in the PlayStation area and people are expected to wipe down the areas that they used. Um, we'll have um, pads. I forgot what they're called, but I just call them puppy pads because I feel like that's what it's used for the most. Um, but we have those to lay down on like spanking benches and other equipment. So as to be aware of bodily fluids. So, and once again, it's like a risk aware type of thing. So your status is your to control. So you have to, you know, you get tested. And if you're going to engage in risky behavior, there's going to be consequences. All we can do is clean up the space, clean the toys. Um, hopefully people know what toys are okay to use between multiple people and what are not. And that's something that people should learn get into there are like blood bonding toys can you can you please elaborate on that one <laughs> blood bonding <laughs> so I've, I, not, I've, I've not heard of blood bonding before please do share um so there are toys that you can sanitize like rubber and silicone those things you can generally sanitize even like glass and some plastic but there are like other porcelain toys that cannot be adequately cleaned, like leather floggers, things like that. If if you're playing and you get a cut or something like that and they touch you, that toy has bonded with you, basically. And that is forever yours because you can't sanitize that and use it between multiple people. Um, I actually am into like a blood play kind of deal and my favorite local toy vendor little fox toy box they make a blood paddle or vampire paddle and it's a paddle with spikes and those are definitely blood bonding to the person (laughs) so they can't be the goal is to draw the blood (laughs) uh there's no way of not drawing blood what did you say? It was a vampire paddle. A paddle, yeah. It's a it's a wooden paddle with spikes on it, so it it draws blood, no matter yep, what. Yep, gotcha. So <laughs> you just touch it with your finger, and it's going to draw blood on you. Uh, some um, can, but not the ones that I have. I I want to bring it back to um, like let's just like strip everything away because it's. I want to, I want to, let's say someone's wants to sort of, they're even more vanilla than all of the idea of going to a dungeon might be a bit overwhelming. They want to just introduce this sort of stuff into their sex life with their current partner, or they want to explore this one-on-one, but not go to an institution or not go to a place or the idea of being around a whole variety of people is is a bit too much like maybe they're introverted maybe it's they just want one-on-one play how would you suggest someone um sort of starts down this path Hmm. one-on-one play (laughs) so i'm i'm polly i have my sir my boyfriend and then my husband and my husband is vanilla as vanilla can be (laughs) 
<laughs> Fair I, enough. I'm the rainbow. I'm the rainbow sparkles to his uh, vanilla ness. So um, for us, for him, pulling hair is kinky. Like smacking the ass and doggy is kinky for him. And for someone who's vanilla, that could be the gateway. Just to slowly, slowly edging it closer towards the more kinky stuff that you might hear about or have a little look at. And honestly, you know, watch porn together, see what kind of porn they choose. And, you know, when you watch porn, you can be like, oh, I want to try that. Um, I don't think anyone who's vanilla should be jumping into the heavier stuff of like needles, electricity, fire, all that, that is heavily skill-based and years of education type of thing. But if you're, you know, if you're vanilla, try one of those under bed restraints that you can get off of Amazon and see how you like that. Or those bondage bars, they sell those. Your local sex shop has a lot of entryway kink toys. Fair enough. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose just yeah, slowly edge, sort of edge, <laughs> slowly, slowly creep. Um, move towards where you see yourself going. I like the idea of watching the porn together or just exploring together, maybe shop together. Um, so you mentioned your poly and your your husband's quite vanilla comparative to your other play partners how um if if you don't mind obviously going into the details did you did you enter the relationship um already poly or did you open up the relationship how did you sort of um navigate that space or was it just sort of you both came together both being poly and exploring together um my husband and i are high school sweethearts we met when we were 15 um, and so majority of our relationship, we were monogamous, but I grew up in a poly household. My grandmother had most multiple partners. So I've always known about poly. My husband, on the other hand, came from a very conservative Catholic household. So in the beginning, it was really hard for him. And I think a lot of the times we open and closed our relationship um, multiple times. So we would open a relationship and I was able to do things and then he would feel some kind of way and, and we would close it for a little bit and then we would be monogamous and then we would open it again because I could not handle monogamy and um, that kind of happened frequently. And then it just, we had a conversation. I kind of broke down and I said, I can't handle this open, close, open, close type of relationship anymore because I know I'm poly. And I told him that I know you're monogamous. So if you can't handle me being poly, then we need to have a real discussion about our relationship. If we're going to be together, I would like to be poly. And he said he is open to it. He still struggles with jealousy and other stuff time to time, but he's mostly open to it. Um, he is not poly, so he's monogamous to me. I'm poly and I have multiple partners. 
lots of communication, I imagine, would be quite vital. Uh, yes. Talk, talking through, yeah. Do you do you think that um, in the same way that going into the BDSM kink space is a way to express the stuff that you talked about or the issues in relation to the BPD? Do you think that the is there a connection between that space and the the open or the poly space as well, or is it? Do you think that there's a set there's separate there? Uh, it can. Um, a lot of people with BPD they have um, relationship issues. They have hard time maintaining and keeping a relationship, and I attribute my successful relationship to my partners because they are accommodating to me a lot and they understand me and um, allow me to be as free and wild and crazy as I want to be. And, um, you know, there are times when they are having issues or have hard time. Um, he'll tell me like, I'm feeling jealous or why do you cuddle him and not cuddle me and things like that. And we'll talk about it. But, um, for me being able to explore and go out and be able to do things really helps with my mental health. And I think they understand that. And that's why they, um, I don't want to say allow because that sounds really controlling, but their understanding of my needs of wanting to be poly versus their needs of be monogamous. I think I think an understanding of yourself and your partner and the relationship dynamics is key to a long term um, positive, prosperous relationship in whatever way it looks, because you know ultimately we're all on this journey of life together, right? And it's we all we all will, will sort of have different needs and those needs will evolve and change. So to be able to express and explore those in whatever way it turns up, which may not be the quote-unquote traditional sort of sense, um, but it's finding what works for you, what works for you and yours. Right, because people think that I'm against monogamy because I'm poly and that's so far from the truth. I think if monogamous relationship is for you, then I'm all for it. Hmm. If it's not, then you need to be truth to yourself and be open and honest about who you are and what you want to do. Because what's the alternative, right? If, if you're not true to yourself, you'll either end up living an unhappy life, you know, forcing yourself into a box that you don't really fit into, or you'll end up cheating on the person and therefore causing harm, or you end up leaving and breaking up when a discussion about the the other options like the poly could actually best suit and 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 lead to you know to actual happiness because that's what works for you right and like you live this short short time in life i mean you don't know how long you'll live and you don't really want to waste your time living in a miserable self-confined way when if you are open and honest you can either potentially live a really healthy, fulfilling life. I'm I'm fully on board with that. I I like the idea of um, polyamory in like sort of like the mindset of it. 
but applied to to life in general you know rather than looking at the traditional you know monogamous this is what you should do based on you know sort of the unspoken or spoken societal rules it's this is what you know it's looking at yourself and working out what you can do based on what works for you like i know for me personally working a full-time nine-to-five job simply doesn't work but you know obviously it's more acceptable now to do different sort of workplace things but at one time it wasn't so in the same way that you could find a job or jobs or you know freelance work or whatever it works for you in the employment space you could find that in the relationship space in the friendship space in the hobby space you know there's this feeling of conforming to what society quote unquote expects but it's not necessarily what's going to work for you um so i sort of like looking at that from a yeah for, for a more global perspective figure out what what you enjoy figure out what works and then and then sort of take steps towards that as best you can i suppose I like that. That's that's really nice. You, you said your your grandma was in a in a poly relationship. Basically, I mean, I don't think in her um, generation it was very ethical. Or what, what generation are we talking? Like what what year? Rough, roughly years are we talking here? <laughs> the years i don't um I think like, like 60s 70s 80s oh way before then it's like 1920s 30s where, where she was born yeah 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 so 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 1920s yeah so that that sort of coming of you know adulthood in the 40s and the 50s yeah definitely wouldn't have been that societally acceptable right. it would have been so, quite quite harshly viewed i would imagine well her story is i mean unique of in itself because my grandmother is um korean and she met her husband my grandfather um when he was stationed in korea for korean war so he was significantly older and she was like 18 and um when they met and so when they got married, she was still pretty young and she married a American military man. So when the war was over and he got recalled back to the States, she was basically like plucked out of her home country and relocated to the States. And she had really hard time adjusting. So uh, she did her best here. And then um, when she moved back to Korea or when he was stationed back to Korea, um, she was able to do the stuff that she wanted to do and go party and do all the things that she couldn't do in the States. And uh, he wanted to give her that freedom. So he, he didn't mind if she didn't come home or if she had like a boyfriend on the side or whatever. <laughs> Now, fair enough. So, so you 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 sort of grew up seeing that as as a more normal representation, or at least an option that could be done. Right. I had multiple grandfathers all the time. Um, when I was young, I didn't really understand that it was Polly. But um, now that I'm an adult, I know what was happening and what it was, and. I think for the most part it was ethical 
I don't know how far my grandfather knew or not knew that's their relationship, but I just knew that she had multiple partners and she enjoyed having multiple partners. And for me, it was very normal. Good for her. It's, um, it's, it's becoming far more common, like open relationships, polyamory, kink play, all of that sort of stuff. And it depends on where you are, what country. I think some European countries are all over it far more than the States or Australia. But back in the day, um, particularly in the United States, I would imagine it would have been quite, quite sort of frowned upon, you know, at least, at least the, um, the, the image that I'm getting in my mind of, of that era sort of until the, the sort of the hippie sixties came along, it sort of feels like it would have been a, um, very, very um, much a um, a munch situation um, for, for any sort of people trying to play poly. Yeah. I mean, in Korea, for the longest time, I guess it was okay for men to have multiple wives or a wife and a girlfriend mm. side and stuff like that. So it was like very futuristic or advanced of her to have multiple partners, but she was just... Mm if guys can have multiple partners, why can't I kind of deal? I love it. It's, it's really refreshing. Um, and yeah, like, like this very trail, trailblazing. Right. <laughs> it's, it's great. And you oh, know, good now, for, good for her. now everyone's all about that reverse harem thing. Reverse, har- reverse harem. Yes. Where one yeah. female has multiple male partners. Yep. Yep. It's 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 interesting. Like I, I talk to talk to different people, people that are sort of in the scene or not in the scene, and those that aren't in the scene, the guys particularly cannot fathom or cannot imagine the um being able to be okay with anyone doing anything with their partner. It's like that sort of like typical possessiveness. But people in the scene are like, yeah, well, of course. Like, why would I? Why would I restrict my partner? Like, yeah, there is a bit of jealousy. We talk about it, all of that sort of stuff, but it's it is what it is, you know, and like why not? Like why why should I being the male get um get the ability to sleep around whereas my what you know, why why should I be why should the female be restricted? It seems quite unfair. Yes. So I mean, I respect every dynamics unique negotiated um relationship style but i take issue when you agree to be poly but say stuff like oh we're gonna be poly but you can only see females Mm. (laughs) like i was like is that really truly poly and that's very controlling well, if if that's their dynamic that they've worked out, see, I, I I have this issue, this this debate with people as well. It's you know like the whole one penis policy, that sort of stuff. Because uh, because if on the one hand, if they've agreed to that fully consensually, fully negotiated, then all power to them. But on the other hand, it does feel very controlling and restricty. So I'm not sure where I land because it's like, yeah, you respect the people in the relationship and what they decide. But if they decide something that sounds somewhat off, for lack of a better expression, I'm not sure how to how right. to sort of so that I have that issue too. Navigate that. I'm like, I feel like it's a little controlling, but if mm. it's fully discussed, negotiated, and you're happy with it, all the power to you. But I think a lot of the times it happens where 
the guys like I am only gonna allow you to be poly if you only see girls and I think that's when it becomes problematic if it's yeah but it, it's that's sort of a it's just the way you said it I'm I'm only going to allow you or us to be poly if you do this it's very um sort of like a, a threatening or um like an ultimatum sort of approach it's not leaning into it with the energy that you want of like let's let's explore let's investigate let's let's um live our fullest it's very restrictive if you approach it in that sort of sense right i i think it has to be like case by case situation and i don't like to yuck on other people's yum so i don't want to say that's like wrong but there are times where i feel like it is controlling and wrong and then there are times mm. I'm just like, okay, that's cool. That's your relationship. I think what you said is the the negotiated, um, the discussion, and like with with Polly, with kink, with BDSM, with everything. It's I, I always come back to the the need for open and honest communication. You know, with with my wife, we have have done and tried a variety of different things. Um, including open poly sort of stuff. And it's actually brought us closer because we're trying to be as open and honest about what we want, what we need, what we feel, and, you know, discussing those feelings as they come up. The I, I suppose what I'm sort of getting at is is the um, the drive towards sort of like deeper truths and the expression of deeper truths and then – sort of sharing that and making that connection and sort of going down that path as opposed to one person, which most likely it seems like it would be typically be the guy being like, Hey, I want to, I want to do this, but you can't do that. Which yeah. doesn't sound as, um, as, uh, healthy. Yeah. I definitely open, honest communication. And honestly, since I asked, my husband or since we've had that conversation of just being poly my husband and i have a way better communication we um i his presence is not always noticed in my social media i have a separate kink account versus vanilla account and he's he basically follows me on all my social media. So even if I don't post about him, he knows what I'm doing and he's aware of what I'm doing. And we talk constantly about what I'm doing, where I'm going, who I'm playing with, who I'm talking to. And it's not really like he demands that I tell him, but he's like my best friend and I want to share. And he likes listening to me and likes the energy that I get when I am talking about something passionately because I'm so into the lifestyle and different things and he might not be into it, but he gets excited because I get excited and we're, I love that. that. There's a word that describes the, the, um, the joy, getting joy in someone else's excitement although despite not being like liking that that yeah, thing yourself i'm not sure say, say that again sorry it's it's like it's called compassion or com yeah com yeah com yeah compassion i've it's such a good term because we all feel that 
for, you know, like if you've got a friend or a partner or a family member or, you know, a kid or someone that's super excited, like I've got, I've got kids and, you know, my oldest one will tell me about something that's, you know, that they're really enjoying. And it's like, yeah, I, I can, I, I get joy from their joy. You know, you get joy from other people's joy, even though you're not interested in that thing. And if that, if the thing that they're interested in happens to be a form of sex or sexuality or another relationship, if you can just put aside the jealousy that pops up or sort of process the jealousy, I suppose, in, in, and sort of manage it and move through it, then, then you're opening up a whole another layer of, of, of those feelings, you know, and it can be quite, quite positive if, if handled and sort of, yeah, negotiated and discussed well, I suppose. Right. And I feel like we're a lot more intimate now and, or I was just, depressed and miserable because I wasn't able to express my full self. And now I have all these energies and ideas and things that I want to do. And I'm excited about the stuff that I'm doing. So it makes our relationship better because I'm not this little sad depresso panda. I'm like, like able to do things with him. Uh, because I'm able to be myself and be happy. Um, when we were monogamous and I definitely was not monogamous, I was very depressed. And so it wasn't a very good relationship between me and him because I was depressed and we didn't, we weren't able to do things. Now that I have energy in life, we're able to do things that we both enjoy because I'm not depressed. <laughs> Fair enough. And and like imagine if you didn't have the discussion and you didn't open up and you you decided to leave the relationship and potentially lose such a a core, you know, best friend relationship and more obviously that you that you have with your husband. It would be a tragedy. Yeah. I'm, I think, more in love with him now than I have ever been because he is accepting of my full self. Like, I feel like he genuinely sees my whole personality, my whole person, and he loves my whole person. So I'm able to love his whole person. And I think our relationship is stronger and more intimate. And I love him more than I have ever before. Well, I mean, if you're more of a fuller person yourself, if you're able to express and embrace your truth, then there's more of you to be able to give back love as well. Oh yeah. I I never thought about it like that. I mean if if you're if you're happier, just as a general, just as a more even more basic sense, the happier I am, the more joy I can bring to the people around me because I'm happier. And, you know, extend that to self-acceptance to expression to you know fantasy fulfillment i i feel like there's there's a lot of a lot of people's marriages a lot of relationships a lot of just people in general there's there's like a connection seems to be between sex and mental health and if you're not able to express or embrace or sort of play sexually in a way that is you or suits you or you know just sort of look into that space it's going to have consequences in your mental health and therefore in all of the relationships you have, not just with your partner, but in life in general. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're satisfied 
you'll probably be a better worker. You'll probably be a better friend even to people that you're not playing with. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my little pet theory. <laughs> I haven't, haven't looked up the scientific data, but it seems to make sense. I mean, I think so too. Sexual desire is natural. It's Sex is, is natural. Is It's nature. And having those needs and desires are natural. I feel like it's an essential part of well-being. And I think our society generally likes to say that it's taboo or it's inappropriate or, you know, put like a box around sex and what's good and what's not good. But I mean, who is to judge? It, it does that. It does that whilst also, you know, being hypersexual in other ways as well. Like it's sort of like be this and do this, but also look at all of our, you know, for lack of a better expression, pornographic advertising, music, and like sales sort of pitch. It's this, it's this weird sort of double meaning or this double sort of feeling that you get. It's like you're allowed to do this, but also here's a whole bunch of temptation that you are going to probably buy, but you shouldn't. You know, a lot of shame. Yes, shame on them for shaming mm. us. <laughs> I I remember sort of like prior to sort of opening our relationship or just sort of even considering any of this with particularly with my previous partners um just we were just monogamous and i would remember looking at someone like i would be just out and i'll see an attractive person and i would it would make me feel like confused or upset or wrong in some capacity because it's like how like I'm, i'm seeing this attractive person and i didn't have the mental like it sounds very um very silly in my mind now but it's like i didn't have the 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 maturity or the 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 frame of mind to be able to go like yeah of course you find that person attractive like you can find more than one person attractive that that chick over there's got a great butt like it's it's that's a that's an undeniable fact it doesn't mean that you don't like the person sitting opposite you any less it's just you know like it's it's it it is a natural like we're, we're animals come you know when you come down to it like that person is hot they have sexual characteristics that are appealing and then like you know you take that further to the steps of personality and all of those sort of things it makes sense why you would find or you could be attracted to more than one person it's just there's this yeah it's the it's the narrative right i think society pushes the evils of duality a lot but i think if you embrace that you're able to enjoy life a lot more. 100%. 100%. I I remember um I was with my wife. I was like out and I was waiting for her to appear and then I was checking out this girl's butt and I'm like, "Oh, she's quite hot." And then she turned around and it was her. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "This is this is a this is an amazing win. It happened a second time." I'm like, "Every time it happens, I'm like, this is um this is good. I'm I'm happy for mul- in multiple ways. Make sure to tell her when that happens as well." <laughs> I'm sure she loves that. <laughs> I I really appreciate you you coming on the podcast. Um, we're coming up on on time. Is there anything you would like to tie up or share or express that I maybe moved us on from, or we didn't sort of cover in enough depth, or you know anything like that? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot in depth. I just um think that 
your listeners, whoever they are, wherever they are, I think it'd be really nice if they heard this podcast and think, wow, I'm not alone. <laughs> I That's one of the reasons why I'm making this podcast and I'm doing the stuff on social media in multiple senses is – you know, you're not alone in your in your like it feels like you're alone in your mind or in your desires or in your mental illnesses or all of that sort of stuff. But you know, when we express and talk and connect like this conversation, um, you don't feel as alone. You you can see that other people feel or have experienced or want to experience, you know, what's going on in your mind. So yeah, I'm fully on board with that express that approach. Right. Because honestly, you know, society tells us how bad BDSM is or how deviant it is. And um, some of the stuff that I'm into, sometimes I think like, oh my gosh, what the fuck is wrong with me? But then I see when I go to like parties or I go to events, I see like hundreds and hundreds of people who are into the same things I am. And I'm like, yes, I'm not alone. No, fair, fair enough. I think it's so refreshing to not feel alone because there's that – you can turn the camera on yourself and be like, oh, I am alone. I'm a deviant. I'm shameful. I'm this. I'm that, which is just sort of evoking the the bad parts of the narrative of society. But do you know the good thing is, is like we're making an aspect of modern society right now. Like every discussion that, you know, that I have on this podcast or that you're – you know, you on this podcast or the meetings that you're having or the other podcasts you're jumping on, like it's all – that's all going into the current cultural zeitgeist. So we're, we're actually sort of sharing and connecting and showing people that, yeah, they aren't alone. And this is, this is normal. This is something that people can do and they should do. It's fun. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I'm so glad you asked me to come on. This was like the most fun I've had. Um, my last podcast, experience was traumatic but this kind of made up for it so now i want to do more just just to um just to you know to to um to to share share what what happened with your last podcast like why was it trauma was it just like the technical issues or just awkwardness like i mean feel free to not um to not play and tell but um, what what happened um it started out with technical difficulties and i don't know if it was just me but i jumped on and I could hear them, but I guess they couldn't really hear me. So I, I could hear their little conversations about, I guess, me like saying, oh, we really need to ask people to like get a mic or something to that effect. So I could hear their oh, little no. conversation. They couldn't really hear me. And then turns out it was on their end. They had to push a button or something like that. That didn't happen. So they were kind of um, having issues, technical issues. And then um, I guess I sounded really muffled, but nobody told me and the connection. Well, I, I can't tell how you're going to sound, but in my ears, you sound perfectly fine. So I'm going to say that you're sounding all okay, right. That's great. <laughs> because I, I was sounding <laughs> muffled or it was sounding weird. Um, no one said anything. And then um, we kept having technical difficulties like we were here where it kind of dropped and then came back, dropped and came back. And then at the mm. end when I was uploading, only two audio files <laughs> uploaded and others did it and I was panicking. Uh. And then later on when the podcast came out and I heard my 
my voice, I was like, oh my gosh, I sound I'm in some <laughs> faraway land. <laughs> I'm so muffled. Well, look, was that your first experience? It was. See, see, I this is my second um, recording, and it's already going a lot smoother. The first recording was great; we had an amazing conversation. But it, like the my computer, literally restarted itself halfway through. Like it's like saying, like we're gonna, like I need to do repairs right now. And I'm like, oh no! First times are always awkward, you know. Any experience, first times vanilla, first times in uh, in your BDSM kink play, first times podcasts. Just it's just the it's just what happens, you know. It's a, it's an initiation, right? I- actually listened to your first episode before oh awesome. i was like i i need to listen to this i i've also read your book the poem uh, i think it was called bound in wings of a butterfly bound to the wings of a yeah. butterfly <laughs> so i really read oh. that too and so <laughs> i was like i need to be prepared <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that if, if only every guest can buy a copy of my book that'll um <laughs> It'd be a way I can get I can get some sales. It's like one one guest, one book. We're we're golden. It's it's the way to success online. I just, right? It was fun. <laughs> no, um, fair enough. I actually I didn't realize that. Thank you so much. I appreciate the um the the pre work that you've put in, and I don't expect don't expect that of um, future guests to have to do the pre work of that. But thank you so much. Um, yeah, um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, and if there's there's nothing else that you'd like to add, I think we can we can call it. And um, yeah, you've, you've introduced me to a a number of things that I wasn't wasn't aware of. But I I appreciate your open and honesty, both in regards to the sex and sexuality, the polyamorous relationship, and the um, the mental health stuff. It's it's refreshing to have a conversation with someone that's open or seem, seems as open as I am to discuss that sort of stuff because it's, I think it's ne- necessary in all, in all fields because, like we said, you're not alone. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for this opportunity. No worries. Cheers. <laughs> Super special thanks to Lynn for coming onto the podcast. It was an amazing discussion, wide-ranging. I really appreciate the open and honesty around mental health, around relationships and around kinks and sex and sexuality. Like we discussed, you're not alone. No matter how you feel about yourself, no matter how you think about yourself or what you're into, chances are that there are people out there like you that are living their fullest in the area that you're concerned about. So hopefully with this podcast, I can help share some more truths my truth my guests truth and then potentially your truths and that way you'll feel less alone you'll feel more accepted and you'll be able to live your truth in whatever sense that is because i know that the more that i embrace what i'm into embrace what i enjoy and sort of move into this community in every sense the happier i am and from that place of increased happiness i'm able to you know, be a better person in life, in all aspects of life, not just sexually. So once again, thank you for the open and honest discussion. It was amazing. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I would love you to support it. The best way you can do so at the moment is to just rate and review, give it five stars, um, write something about it, what you liked and share it with people. If you know that someone would appreciate this conversation or any of the conversations on the podcast, send it to them. If you want to help me out a little bit more directly, there's a couple of things you can do. 
the best one be to sign up to the Patreon. I've got a $5 per month tier on the Patreon, and this will give you access to any outtakes, as well as, you know, behind-the-scenes discussions, um, Q&A sessions, and the potential to influence uh, further podcast decisions and further Patreon bonuses. You know, there's an option to create a Kinky Conversations Discord channel, for example, and I'll be coming to my Patreons with um, those sort of questions to see what you would actually want. And the final way you could support the podcast would be to grab a copy of my book, Kink Volume 1. It's a collection of um, BDSM kinky-inspired fiction and poetry. And I've got the stories and the poems up on my website for free, if you like. So you can check it out and read along. And if you're enjoying it, grab yourself a copy. It's out as an ebook, paperback, and an audiobook. And I actually narrate the audiobook. And finally... If you would like to be a sponsor or a guest on the podcast, check out the show notes and you'll find my email there. And from there, you'll be able to just shoot me a message and say, hey, I want to be on the podcast or hey, I want to support the podcast. And we can start discussions and talk about what you can bring to the podcast and I'll have you on. And finally, if you haven't already, head over to my website at zachary-phillips.com. From there, you can check out my books, um, blogs, poetry, fiction, and my other podcasts. I've got two other podcasts, the Reality Check Podcast and the Abundance Mentality Podcast. They are not uh, kinky or sexual, but they are just as good as this one, just down different paths. So I encourage you to check those out and stay tuned for the next episode. It's been lovely having you here. Have a great day.